Talkers. Welcome to Speak and Destroy, episode 10. Speak and Destroy is a podcast about all things Metallica. I am your host, Ryan J. Downey, and my guest this episode is my friend Jose Mangan of Sirius XM. Jose is director of programming, metal ambassador, on-air host, talent, personality. The dude is the walking, living, breathing embodiment of the metal community and everything that it means to be a metal fan. His enthusiasm is boundless. Metal Sucks put him in the top 10 of their most influential people in metal. He's been on the cover of the OC Weekly and certainly... Between Liquid Metal, Octane, all of the great stuff that Jose does with Sirius XM, he has a lot of reach and a lot of ability to impact the bands that he champions. Not that long ago, in fact, earlier this year, I was in an industry meeting of sorts, shall we say, in a fancy conference room where uh, some colleagues and I witnessed our friend Jose jump up out of his seat uh, mosh around, headbang, and play air guitar to, I believe it was Code Orange we were listening to. I mean, the dude is just uh, just boundless energy, unrelenting passion and drive for metal. And of course, the reason why he's on this show, a huge Metallica fan. Jose's had the opportunity to interview Metallica multiple times to get to know them a bit over the years. He's introduced them on stage Jose is a tireless champion for Metallica, for this music, for all of the related bands in the genre, big and small. I had so much fun hanging out with him at his studio here in Seal Beach, California, which isn't too far away from the home studio of the Speak and Destroy podcast. Jose is a metal dad. He's a husband. He's a father. You know him. You love him. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jose Mangan from SiriusXM. This is Speak and Destroy. You have a Metallica tattoo on your hand. Let's just start right there. <laughs> yeah, man, I do. I it's uh, on my left hand. I love have been both my favorite bands, Pantera on my right and Metallica on my left. Uh, those two bands uh, are my biggest in my life, and I wanted to be like Papa Het and uh, anything I can be <laughs> closer to James. But uh, yeah, yeah dude, dude, people see this all the time, and they, they talk about it. It comes out in pictures. I'm very, very proud of it. I actually got a, a matching M, my other friend Sonny, who's been to 56 Metallica shows wow. in his life. He has all Metallica ta t tattoos, but we got this a few years back in California. I love the unashamed, I want to be like Papa Hat. Cause I mean, I, you know, I walk around with this bandana hanging out of my pocket all the time. Nice. People are like, what do you do that for? I'm like, well, you don't listen to Metallica? Oh, nice. You've been to a, a Metallica one. show? Come on. Do you have any Metallica tattoos? Um, I don't. Oh. I have a, uh, I have a Misfits tattoo and a Morrissey tattoo. And, well. and, and, and I don't have a, and I have a sort of House of Pain tattoo. Either. Well, we have tattoo uh, equipment upstairs. You do. Maybe I can tattoo you, Ryan. Uh, that, that's the thing is, uh, I'm waiting for a, a, maybe a member of Metallica to tattoo me here Ooh. at your place. Wow. If we can figure that out. I can see that. I can see yeah. James doing it. I can see yes. Kirk doing it. I can see any of those guys you know, doing it. You know what's awesome? Uh, you might know him. My buddy, Lindsey Carmichael. He's a tattoo artist here in Orange County. Name sounds familiar. He was doing a guest spot up at Blackheart in San Francisco, and Papa Het came in as a walk-in. <sighs> Just like he likes the shop, you know, and he came in and uh, started talking to Lindsey, and 
Lindsay drew up what he wanted. Riff life, dude. He did the riff life on his hands. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Unannounced, Hetfield walks into a tattoo in. parlor. Yeah. I can't. I, I, would, yeah. I would shit myself. I got a, I, I got a picture texted to me of, of Lindsay and Hetfield together uh, a couple hours later. And was like, and, and then, the, of course, the next question is like, what did he get? What did you do? Oh, a riff life on his knuckles. You know what, fingers. Ryan? I'll tell you this. I get asked a lot. I mean, not a lot, but I mean from fans at festivals. I don't really get interviews. So this is a really cool thing. Yeah. But at festivals and just in life, I get asked, you know, who makes you nervous? You know, you've interviewed millions and not millions, a thousand bands and artists sure. over the years. You know, who gets you nervous? Nobody except James Hetfield. I love him so much. I work with Ozzy. Uh, I did Ronnie James. His final interview was at the Golden Gods Awards oh, wow. backstage after yeah. he won the Liquid Metal and, Vocalist and you know, of the uh, Year. Lizzie was telling me that uh, Hailstorm played Heaven and Hell's final show. Yes, would, yes, yes. Know, I, 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 I knew time. that story. Yeah. Uh, but James Hetfield, dude, I have so much love for him that... I just, it's hard to control myself. And I'm not around him so much, but he loves me too. And that makes yeah. me freak out. Yeah. So uh, I remember one time I was at the 30th anniversary shows, mm -hmm. the four of them that they yeah. did in the Bay Area at the Fillmore. Yep. I went to nights three and four, traveled from New York City with my friends, uh, Mike Marco and Artie. And uh, we were there. And I remember <laughs> I was uh, watching, I think it was Death Angel. Because they opened up one of the nights, and I was near the front uh, on the kind of on the left side, and um, I was packing a bowl. And uh, I was like trying to pack a bowl, and my friend kept on asking me, like bugging me, hey, let's, let's smoke a bowl, let's smoke a bowl. And I was already high. And I was like, well, but I'm gonna watch, you know, I'm watching Death Angel, but he kept on bugging me. So I'm like, all right, dude. So I pull out my pipe, and I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to like pack it, the band's playing, I'm, you know, at a show, you're kind of tight up in the front. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, somebody taps on me again. And I'm like, all right, dude. And I turn around, it's James Hetfield. <laughs> he saw me from the side stage. He walked, there was some little walkway or something with a black curtain. And he came out that black curtain. But he did it so quick that nobody really noticed it was him. Yeah. And he, came, he walked a few feet over to me and he tapped me on the shoulder. And I turned <laughs> I was like, hey, dude. <gasps> and I was holding a fucking beer. And I have fucking weed and a pipe. And they're both in my hands, and he doesn't do either. Of course. And then all of a sudden, and I didn't know what to do with the stuff. And I was like, hey, James, hey, man. And I, didn't, I was trying to, like, fucking put the shit away because I didn't want to be rude in front of him, like, yeah. holding alcohol and weed in yeah. front of James Hetfield. And then he was like, hey, I just wanted to come say hi. I saw you out here. I'm like, oh, hi. Hi, James. You know, and I still couldn't say anything. That's when everybody started seeing James was there. And I saw people pointing and everybody started turning around. So then and I, and then he's got to go. <laughs> well, but then it gets, it gets me nervous because yeah. I, I become a protector for my idols and these artists who I love and adore with all my heart. I protect them like Max or an Aussie or yeah. a Phil, a Rex, a Vinny. These are my, a Dave. I, I, I want, I'm a protector. I feel like it in my head that I am. Right. So no, all of a sudden, I see people pointing, and I start getting nervous because then people, I don't want people to bother James. So then I'm like, oh, all right. And then I, I didn't say anything. So James is like, oh, well, you don't got much to say. And I'm like, oh, but, uh, but I don't want you to be here because you're going to get fucking bombarded. Yeah. And so he's like, all right, Jose, it was good to see you. And then he just walked right back into the thing. And before, he didn't. You know, he couldn't handle everybody coming towards him. Yeah. So then he walked in. So it was a total epic fail on my part. I couldn't well, even talk, dude. I was so and nervous. And that's the thing about those moments is, uh, you know, it's it's a few minutes of their of their time on a random day. But for us, it's like, you know, 
<laughs> you've an, you've analyzed that situation it's, a hundred times. I, I made a fool out of myself. And um, if you're listening, James, I'm sorry, but I just felt bad. <laughs> I felt bad. I had the weed and the alcohol there. And yeah, everybody was coming. But uh, I've had a lot of really cool moments with James. Um, one time he contacted me. Remember the Orion Fest? Of course, you remember of course. The Orion. Yeah. The first Orion Fest, uh, when it was announced, he emailed me and he was like, hey, I'd like to have you help me pick out some bands to play the Orion Fest. And I'm like, are you kidding? And I saw the email and I showed it to my office mate who program, programs the reggae channel, the joint at Sirius XM. And Pat, what's up, Pat? And some of my friends and I was showing them this email. But it's like you get an email from James or a text. You don't reply back right away. Right. It, you, it's, it's like a hot, hot chick. You got to like play. You, you can't be super desperate. Yeah. So he emailed me. I think I waited a day and it was torturous to give it to James Edfield. Yeah. But I didn't, I, I was so nervous even with the email. And I had my daughter help me pick out some bands and she wrote it on this princess paper. It was my oldest <laughs> daughter, but she was super young at the time. And on this princess paper, and she wrote out the bands that we talked about and she spelled stuff wrong. And I sent James that Amazing. paper yeah. with See, an email. But that, that's also where you're, yeah. But and I spelled it out correctly in an email, but I said, hey, here, Maya did this too, James, for you. And he loved it. And it actually, I think it got posted. It, it, went, it, went, it went viral. Yeah. And it was just so cool that he had picked a few of my bands, uh, the first one being King. Yeah, and rad. they were first on my list. And he wrote me back and he was like, I love King. I hear him all the time on your station. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, when you're just, you know, driving around and listening to yeah. my station, well, no big deal. Oh, dude, I have something, Ryan. Oh, but it's upstairs. Um, the first time that I knew James Hetfield knew that I existed, 2008, Rolling Stone interview. By the way, this is exactly what this podcast is. It's okay, fanning out about Metallica. Okay, so. good because I, I don't know if you have <laughs> a format or yeah, whatever yeah. the fuck, no. but I'm just I'm just going with it here. We're in it. So it was 2008. It was the Ozfest in Texas, and it was when Saint No Death Magnetic was coming out. Uh huh. Before it came out. And so, is that the was it in Dallas where they had King Diamond come uh -huh, out and yeah. do the Merciful Vape? It was the yeah. one night a destination Ozfest yeah. uh, after the Free Fest in 2007. So then uh, I'm I'm on the bus and um, somebody I don't remember who I think it was somebody from Solid State. Speaking of, I know you're friends with those yeah, guys. Yeah. Uh, someone from Solid State Records. In the morning, I was on the bus from Jersey into New York City, um, super groggy and just real baked. And then somebody uh, emails me or texts me. I forgot. Hey man, congratulations! Um, you know, with the James mention in Rolling Stone, I said, typing what James mentioned. You know, explanation point, question mark, question mark. Wrote me back. James Hetfield in Rolling Stone gave you a big shout out, and I said, "Are you fuck?" And I got to Port Authority, ran to the first newsstand that I could see, uh, that I saw, ran in there, was like <sighs> sweating. I'm a sweater. Uh, Rolling Stone, where is it? And then the the Indian lady was like, hey, "What's up with that?" You know, or whatever. So I go and I fucking get it. And there's like a line of like five people, second floor of the Port Authority. And I'm going through the pages, going through the pages. And it was a one page, um, just I forgot what the title of it, it was. Just a, a Q and A with James Hetfield. Just a simple little picture of him and a one page Q and A. And then towards the end, they asked him, Rolling Stone, James Hetfield. What are you listening to nowadays? The first thing James says is um, there's this station on Sirius called Heart Attack. I love it. I listen to it all the time. I, I forgot exactly what he said, but there's a DJ on there, on there named Jose. 
Uh, he's a firecracker, ball of energy, something <laughs> and, and, and something else. And and, uh, and he, he's awesome. And then he mentioned Handsome Dick Manitoba and Underground Garage, one of our other channels on Sirius XM, yeah. as the things that he's listening to these days. It wasn't like, what stations do you like on satellite radio, right. James? It was, Edfield? what do you listen to? Just, what are you listening to nowadays, James? Period. Yeah. And he answered, first thing was my metal wow. station that I now have been a part of and I gave birth to 17 years ago. But at that time, I've been with this company at, for eight years. And so I... I I literally read that. I cried in this newsstand in Port Authority. There was five people online. I was show. I started showing people. And dude, I'm getting fucking goosebumps. I started showing people. It's like it's me. It's me. It's my favorite band. And then people were smiling and giving me pats on the back and said, "Congratulations!" The Indian lady was <laughs> smiling. She was so happy that I found it. And then I bought the magazine there. I bought a few magazines there. I have it framed up. Upstairs, yeah, dude. Uh, uh, upstairs in the in this in the dime bag smoke room upstairs. So uh, and I have that. And then I met him for the fr- not the first time, but I met him r- when he knew who I was. Right in 2008 at Ozfest at the Metallica barbecue the Friday night before the Saturday Ozfest. And uh, I remember having a potato salad with King Diamond and Brian Slagle <laughs> and Lars at a table. But I had saw I saw James and. Um, and I was like, dude, hey, man, I'm Jose. He was like, Jose, dude, what's up? And he hugged me, and he was so happy to see me, and he was telling me how, how much of a fan he was. And I was just speechless. I could of not. Course. I couldn't. I couldn't say. I didn't want to be super weird, but I, I'm an emo guy. I, I wear my passion pretty outside yeah. of my skin, and um, I'm not afraid to, to, to be very obvious of my feelings. And I, I was probably looking at, looking at him with like uh, goo goo eyes, you know, just like, <laughs> like totally. hearts coming from yeah. my eyes, like totally. oh my god. So uh, that that was a cool story. And at that same Ozfest, at that same barbecue kickoff for Ozfest um, 08, Kirk Hammett, uh, I went up to him. My friend Scotty and I from the station. I went up to him and I, I was like, hey dude, what's up, dude? Hey man, I'm, I'm Jose, dude. What's up, Kirk? And he's like, Jose from Heart Attack. I'm like, no way. Are you? kidding me and he was like oh dude i listen to you all the time man and i was like the first thing i said to him i was like thank you thank you and i love you kirk i was like can we smoke a joint because i knew that he was a fan (laughs) and i had some great stuff with me and he was like yeah i got some time what what and then people like a few other people started coming up to him but i was just like like a hawk like yeah hey kirk remember you said you were gonna come and then he's oh yeah, yeah 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 so we went like we walked away from like the crowd and we went into this little tent and it was um, uh, myself, my friend Scotty, and, and it was the three of us. And we smoked this joint. And I remember him telling me a story on how the first time that he smoked a joint with, um, I think it was one of the dudes from, I think it was Rush, Rush's guitar player. Wow. Uh, and he told me this. Alex Lifeson. Yes, that's it. He told me a story on how he first, um, he's a massive Rush fan and how he got a chance to smoke with one of his idols and how much he loved that experience. And I'm like, dude, this is me with you right now. And he was like, oh, Jose, man, you know. And I just from that moment on, um, Mr. Hammond and I have been very, very cool. I mean, texting. uh, I mean, he's invited me to host the Fear Fest Evils that he's done. Uh, The two of them that he did. I was the MC for both of them. Um, I mean... I'll, I'll, I'll give him anything he wants. I'll give him my kids if he wants them. Like, that's how much I love these dudes. And so I don't think he needs any more. 
But uh, but now like he's he's so freaking cool, so amazing. I just interviewed him at Rock on the Range, and uh, went, and he was like, I'm not doing any interviews, but I saw your name, and I said I want to do I want to do Jose. Wow. So things like that, Ryan. I I can't even I can't even imagine you know at growing up on the Mexican border in a tiny town worshiping those dudes. First, one of the first songs I learned how to play on guitar was one and being friends with them. Look, on the, look on the cover right yeah, there. Exactly. It's so cool. Uh, but, um, yeah, man. So there you go. You can ask away. Oh, oh, dude, no, it's, uh, I mean, so many things, uh, that are relatable even about what you're talking about. Um, the couple things that, that came to mind, one is that I had a very similar experience and I don't know what it is about some of these I mean, Metallica in particular, obviously, specifically for both of us, that elicits this feeling. But um, like you were saying, Kirk was telling you the story about Alex from Rush, and you were like, that's this moment for me. That was uh, my first conversation with James Hetfield went almost exactly the same way, where this was like 2003, I think. Ooh. Um, yeah, I think, it was, I think it was around 2003. So uh, this is when I was uh, still full-time at MTV. And that year at the Video Music Awards uh, was the Johnny Cash video for Hurt, the big Mark Romanek, you know, uh, Nine Inch Nails cover or whatever. So Kurt Loder had gone and to Johnny Cash's place and had done an interview with him that turned out to be either his last or one of his last interviews. So as part of the pre-show for the VMAs that year, uh, we were running Kurt's uh, Johnny Cash piece. And then we were doing a series of like side pieces of artists talking about the influence of Johnny Cash. Uh, so... I did some of the interviews for that. Uh, one was uh, Chris Cornell and Tom Morello. Wow. Um, and the other was uh, James and Kirk. And they weren't going to be in New York or L.A. when we needed them. So the closest they were to either coast was Salt Lake City. So I flew out to a random show in Salt Lake City, used a local crew, like a camera crew that worked for like a news station there. And, uh, dude, I mean, just right from the... Because, you know, you're busy, you're working, you're just getting there and you're getting in, whatever. But it's like once I'm in there, uh, they they put us in the jam room. You know, Metallica, of course, only says yes. there's a jam room at every show. And that was the moment where it hit me where I'm like, fuck. Like, mm. uh, you know, and I'm just and I'm with this like, you know, these two like 50 something camera guys that are local. That, I mean, they're you know, they were great and professional, but they don't give a shit, you yep. know. Um, and I'm just in there like we're trying to figure out where we're going to put the guys and whatever. And at one point I'm like picking up one of James's explorers to like move it for the shot, you know, and it's just like, it's all crazy. Right. So we do the interview and, you know, I, I just get to sit there for 30 minutes and talk to them about just Johnny cash and which they love. And I did it right. And it's like, uh, and you know, as an interviewer, right? Like when you can, the best icebreaker is to ask some kind of question that demonstrates you have a little bit of knowledge or passion about who you're talking to that it immediately sort of elevates it to like, oh, okay, this is gonna this is gonna be bullshit. It's not a you know, you're not gonna ask me how we got our band name or who my influences were. So I did this, you know, and I'm like, I'm this dude from MTV. Like, what do they know? You know? Um so in my first question, I'm like, yeah, so when you guys were growing up and you know, and, and starting your first bands, and you know, James, you're doing Leather Charm and Kirk when you were in Exodus, and you see them immediately just kind of like, oh, oh, yeah. it's a dude from MTV, but uh he knows a thing or two about it about us. So the interview was awesome. And uh and yeah, James talked a lot about um his childhood and his family and and uh they had just very recently at that time shot the video for San Anger in the prison. So we talked about like, you know, live at San Quentin and all of that. 
And exactly like you, man, when it was over, I was just overcome by this, like, like I had to tell James, like, dude, everything you just said about Johnny Cash, that's James Hetfield yep. <laughs> for me. And, uh, and the same thing, man, just like you, I get asked all the time, like, oh, do you get starstruck or are you ever get nervous? And it's like, you know, we're like, oh, you've interviewed, you know, Johnny Depp and Quentin Tarantino or whatever. And it's like, yeah, no, it's cool. I get excited. But, but yeah, Hetfield's like the one where all of a sudden you're just like, you know, like I, I was interviewing Britney Spears like that same week, you know, and it was just another day at the office, you know, but standing there with Hetfield in Salt Lake City, I'm just like. Yeah, that's, he's, he's and he, so and, and, cool. And dude, he just gave me the nod. Like I, I spill this whole like, my mom died when I was 11 and blow and ride the lightning and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like spilling all this stuff at him. And he just like listened very intently. And when I was done, he just gave me the, like a very serious, like, like, like I understand, like nice. kind of nod, you know? Yep. And then, yeah, exactly like you described, James leaves. And then Kirk's immediately they're like, so what are you doing, dude? Like, you want to hang out and watch the show? Like, you know. Very you know? personable. Uh, and I was like, oh, man, I got to be on a plane back. Uh, you know, I'm supposed to be back in the office actually today. And he was like, he was like, well, if you want, like, we can say that we were being rock stars and we made you wait until after the show. And well, like, he was like, he was so down, nice. you know, like just so cool. Um, but yeah, and something else that made me think about what you were talking about, so relatable. Uh, and I think it's because what we do is so similar, but when you're talking about when you're responding to the text and you're like, you can't just respond like you no. would to a normal text, but you also can't make it look like it's a crafted text or whatever. I had a, an artist who will remain nameless who I was managing for, for several years people listening will probably figure out who it is, but um, there was a period in time where uh, he had become email buddies with Morrissey and him and I are, you know, I'm a massive Morrissey fan and this artist was too. And it was the same thing where every time Morrissey would send him an email, this, this dude and I would get on the phone and sit there with each other for 20 minutes crafting the one sentence response, you know, <laughs> and trying to do it in a way where it's like, don't want it to look like you spent a lot of time writing this reply but we got to spend a lot of time writing this reply. And uh, another, a mutual friend of ours who will remain nameless. Cause I don't know if he wants me to tell this story. Um, he's buddies with Trent Reznor and I've been hanging out with him where he's been texting with Trent and he shows me like the conversations where he just, he's just talking shit. And it's like a defense mechanism. Almost. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, he's doing it because he idolizes Trent Reznor, you know? And, any moment that he gets a text from Trent, no matter how long it's been going on, it's still crazy. Cause he's like, Oh, Trent Reznor, you know, and that like the way Hetfield is for us, you know? And, uh, and so his way of like handling it and being cool is he'll be like, Oh, what, what's up dickhead? Like what, you know, he's just like talk shit back to him. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so funny because you can't help but overanalyze these interactions, you know? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I'm trying to marry into Metallica, Ryan. So let me tell you my grand plan. Uh, and this has been schemed now for the last, I think, six years. Um, Robert, Roberto, and Chloe Trujillo, uh, and my wife and I, Melissa, I, we have two daughters. They have a daughter and a son. And uh, about six years ago, we made a prearranged marriage where my oldest daughter is going to marry Ty Trujillo. I love it. And uh, Chloe and Robert signed off. Ty and Maya haven't met, but for years they've known about this because we make it very obvious in Arranged time. marriage. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and this is my way of, you know, for life. 
getting into the Metallica yeah. campus. I don't know how else, how else to do it. I mean, we're yeah. all cool now, but I want to get, I, I really want to be part can of the I family. Can I be like the flower girl? Yeah. Or the, like, what can I do? Well, now, but see, that was at the time when my can daughter- Can I DJ the reception? My youngest daughter was so young, I didn't even think about it. But now I have two daughters, one's 11, one's 14. Taya, I think is like 13 now. So now either of my daughters. So now I'm going to say, Ty, which one do you want? <laughs> he's going to be like, oh, you know, I'll go with the, I'll go with Maya or I'm going to go with the younger one. And Ava. Ty's already been on, on tour playing bass for Korn. And so he's like, dude, uh, the first thing worldly. that I saw, the first thing that I saw Ryan, when I saw that uh, Ty was going to be going out with Korn, one of my other favorite bands, I said, you keep those damn groupies away from Ty. You tell him, remind him. He's a married man. Yes, exactly. And she said, I don't worry. I'll, I'll tell him. And I know. And I see Robert and Chloe, you know, often when, when I do. And we're here in California, but we do talk about it. And uh, we were actually going to do something that for that TV show we were talking about. We were going to set this up, the meeting for the first time, part of that thing. And I, I was it. like, oh, my God, that's freaking gold. So it. I'm saving that. I'm saving that one right there. But Ty, if you're listening, bro, you can have any of my daughters. I will gladly hand you over any one of them, bro. <laughs> <laughs> True story, dude. And I tell this in the video. And my every my family knows, and yeah. every, my, the daughter, everybody knows. Everybody, yeah. it's in the open. I don't. I'm not one to hide. I want to be honest, and I'm marrying into Metallica. And, and I, the other thing that it made me think about when you're telling that story about Rolling Stone is I remember the uh, the guys from All Shell Parish having a very similar reaction. And it was also in Rolling Stone where uh, they had asked Kirk what he was listening to. And he talked about Ultra Parish being I his remember. favorite modern metal. Yeah. I remember and those that. Dudes just, and we, I know. talked about that on the radio. Yeah. I was, it was a big talking point at that yeah. time. And, and we they were, ended up having them. Uh, so I, whatever year the, the last Orion Fest was in the in one Detroit, in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. Um, I had, you know, I, I work with Ultra Parish. Oh yeah, and had, they uh, played there. They played and, right. uh, and Dillinger played that year. That's right. It was when Ben had broken his hand and, uh, yes. he sat in a, in a lawn chair. Yes, I was right there. Wasn't and he reading a revolver? He was reading revolver and Robert was, uh, massaging his yes. shoulders at one point. Yes. And then Ben was holding up signs like, like at the Olympics of like how he thought the band was doing. Yes. Like, oh, that song was a I seven. I was right was there, dude. Yeah. That was so cool. I remember um, that. Yeah. And there was uh, one of my favorite Metallica memories as random as it is, is, uh, you know, first of all, you know, watching them do the Kill 'Em All set was oh, insane. oh, Dahan like two in the afternoon, yes, Dahan, Dave yes. Dahan. Um, but when they did their actual big headlining set to close the festival, and I've you know, like you, I'm sure I've seen Metallica a million times at this point, maybe not as many times as your one friend. Oh, there, nobody, I don't think, has seen Metallica <laughs> more than Sonny for sure. <laughs> maybe Big Mick. Um, oh, that's right. Yep. But uh, I have this great memory of it was when they Metallica pinball was new. Shout out, shout out, shout out Jody from uh, Stern. Stern, yeah, dude, I need to you get know, one of those. You know I Jody? No, I, I we'll need make, to know Jody. We'll make that How cool would that be upstairs, right? I it wanted one, but it's freaking, they're, they're not cheap. All of, and they do, he does all the licensing for, um, he used to be a guitar rep at Washburn, and I knew him because one of the ah. Demon Hunter guys was endorsed by Washburn. I think I did an email with this dude years ago. And yeah, he does a super great guy. He's in Chicago, um, but yeah, he does all the licenses for... Um, Walking Dead, Pinball, uh, Game of Thrones, Ghostbusters, Star Wars, Kiss. It's funny, a little Kiss aside for any Kiss fans that are listening. At Comic-Con, he always sets up at Comic-Con with the Nuclear Blast guys, with Gerardo. Yep. At Comic-Con, I was looking at the Kiss Pinball, and I was like, when did that When did that come out? And he's like, oh, whatever. It was like pretty recent. I was like, I'm looking at the facial, like the shape of the faces, the cheekbones and everything. Like, that's not Tommy Thayer, dude. Like. 
Like that's like that's Ace and Peter on there, and he's kind of like, uh, and he's like, we got this conver- little conversation about like, you know, they did they did they used Ace and Peter's like actual faces, not just the makeup, and they just kind of like pushed it through to see if you know and nobody noticed, noticed. And nobody really noticed. Nice, but yeah, I mean, no, you know, no disrespect to Tommy Thayer and the other Eric, but uh, you know, the other Eric. <laughs> um, why did I start talking about that? Oh, pinball. So. uh I have this great memory of Greg and I from Dillinger uh, playing Metallica pinball at the Orion Fest. Like, yeah, watching Metallica way across the field as as like Metallica is actually playing, and we're going back and forth. That's so cool. I remember playing uh, the pinball right there at the Orion Fest in Detroit as well, in that cool tent in the area yeah. in the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was the first time that I ever saw one in person. Only time that I ever met um, Cliff from Q Prime. I went up, shook his hand, introduced oh. myself, thanked him for having my bands on the festival. Nice. I love Cliff. Though. So cool. I got a cool Cliff story because he works right around the corner from our headquarters for Sirius XM. He works on um, on 7th Avenue between 48th and 49th. That's where uh, Blacken Records is. Oh, gnarly. And yeah. that's where that's where uh, Cliff's office is and Peter as well. So one time I was on the subway and I don't remember where I was going, but I was on the subway and I see this. And I knew Cliff because from the videos and stuff. Of course. And yeah. just being a that's, massive that's fan. That's a real fan, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I saw this dude and he had this like dirty, uh, like not kind of, what is that? I don't know, if it's like furry. It's one of those sweaters that kind of looks like it's like a, a blanket or something. Uh, I don't know what to, how to describe it, but he was wearing this like, it had a bunch of lint all over it and hair and it was kind of dirty, you know, but it was this black and it just said Metallica. In a little white logo on the on the right chest. He's in the subway just by himself. And I said, Cliff? And he looked and he turned around. I was like, oh, whoa, dude. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, what's up? Oh my, oh my God, dude. Hey. Uh, you know I'm you're Jose. a fan when you recognize the manager. <laughs> yeah. Oh, big time. And then he was, from that point on, he's been so, so cool to me. I expressed my love for him and the band uh, in front of all the subway car packed uh, nobody knew who he was, and nobody even cared. They were just giving me weird looks. But uh, uh, Cliff was so good to me. And I remember um, uh, years later, I introduced Metallica at the Apollo when we did the SiriusXM exclusive concert uh, yeah. for our subscribers. And Howard Stern was there. Everybody was there. And I introduced Metallica. And uh, Cliff, the next day, emailed me, and he said, that was the greatest intro I've ever seen anybody do in my career wow and this and, is and this is a guy who used to work with Def Leppard at their peak and this he works a, with the Chili Peppers this and, is a dude that's fucking huge and he writes this he doesn't have to say that is he lying exactly. I don't know it is, why why bother he never writes me out of the blue really ever yeah but that he wrote me and he said that that and I just I just again I couldn't reply Incredible. that fast because I was like I don't want to be so desperate you know yeah. so I yeah. waited a little yeah. I got a little with a little wait time <laughs> And so Cliff, man, yeah, that was very, very cool of him. So rad. And it's, it's funny because talking about sweaters and talking about people that super fans would recognize, I saw Phil Towell, the performance enhancement coach from some kind of monster. Oh, yeah. In one of his Cosby sweaters, um, walking down the sidewalk in Santa Monica. I mean, it was years ago. And and yeah, total, I didn't say anything to him, but had a total like, how do I know that? Oh, that's, 
That's Phil Tao. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's the Metallica oh, therapist. I think I, I think I did an interview with uh, one of the producers, Joe or somebody. Yeah, Joe Berlinger, one yeah. of the directors, yeah. Yeah, he did some other film some yeah, years well, later or something. Well, other... he did all the uh, Paradise Lost documentaries originally, which was how yes. I knew him. And then, uh, yeah, he did the uh, Whitey Bulger documentary a couple years ago. But he did something else. That I, um, I had him on the air, but I had him on the air because I was a fan of what yeah. he did with Metallica. So yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, dude, whatever you're doing, I, come on the air. I read his book. He actually wrote a book about making some kind of monster. Okay. Um, and uh yeah, and I uh you know, I met him years ago at Sundance when some kind of monster was there. I'm actually this is my this is my total I mean the smallest of footnotes in Metallica lore, but um when they when some kind of monster premiered at Sundance, um MTV sent me there to interview Hillary Duff's sister. That was my job. We were introducing Hey, this is like peak Hillary Duff, right? And it was like, Hey, did you know Hillary Duff has a sister and she's an actress and a singer? And I'm just doing this little piece that was running on TRL. And she was at Sundance with a movie that no one had heard of that didn't have distribution or anything. The movie she was in was Napoleon Dynamite. Ah. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm there on the MTV dime solely for that. But my own mission was there's the Metallica documentary is premiering here. And when I saw a screening, it was like 10 in the morning or something. You know, I laughed. I cried. It was, you know, it was like, I mean, seeing that for the first time it was incredible. But anyway, they did a uh, press conference via satellite where all the press is freezing our asses off in Utah and Metallica was in Hawaii, like mm -hmm. wearing like shorts and flip flops and shit. And nice. They put us in a little tent and there's a video screen and it was like a like Comic-Con or something like a Q&A where there's just a mic and each press person will walk up and say, oh, I'm Jose from Sirius. Here's my, you got one question. And uh, yeah, I'm in the bonus features. <laughs> Oh, on nice. The DVD. Oh, cool. Walking up in my big winter coat. I'm Ryan Downey from MTV. And I got, here's my question. And my question was uh, I asked about the Dave Mustaine scene. You have to, you keep in mind, I'd just seen it for the first time that morning. So I was like, I was like, oh, James, like, well, you know, what would you have said if you would have been there? And what, you know, that scene's so crazy. And um, just, you know, the dual fandoms of Megadeth and Metallica. But how on. about years later when they performed together? At the 30th anniversary shows on Insane. the last night, I I've watched not I've watched those videos it. a million times. It was so cool to see Mustaine up there jamming with these boys, yeah. and they were all smiling. And at one point, James and Dave, uh, you know, went next to each other and were doing yep. the jam. I was melt. I was I think I was crying. It was a big moment because I love yeah. both those dudes. I love both bands. I'm, I've never been one that's been, oh, what are you, team this, team that? I'm like, no. No, and I'm so glad that we have both bands. Yes. I mean, it was too much to contain in one band. Yes, of you course. Um, and look what yeah. look what Dave did. I mean, Rust in Peace is one of my all-time favorite albums, Absolutely. right up there with Vulgar Display of Power and Master of Puppets. Megadeth is a band that got me into metal. I've told the story on this podcast before, but but in brief, um, a friend gave me a cassette of P-Cells, and that was I went right directly from... Billy Idol and Adam and the Ants and the Smiths, like immediately, like, like I leapfrogged over hair metal. Like I, nice. missed, like I just immediately into. Uh, I was I was totally into hair metal. My first uh, I tape. I don't knock it. I just you know. I first just tape was it. Shout the Devil in kindergarten. See, but Shout of the Devil is like a good hard. Oh record my god, that's yeah. that's that's metal, man. Yeah. for sure. That's yeah. heavy. I mean, it has a pentagram on the cover. So. Yeah, how cool is that? Yeah. I, as a kid, I used to sign my name Jose Pentagram Mangan. I didn't really know <laughs> that it was an evil demonic yeah. symbol. I just thought it was a. A cool star, an inverted star. It's part of the Motley Crue logo. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was a bad thing until years later, and it made it cooler. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. I'm glad that I put that on my kindergarten papers, man. Fuck yeah. I, lo I love how you landed the plane there. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't make it, believe it or not, to 
those Metallica shows, those anniversary shows. I have all of them. I have because, you know, they, they're so great about releasing oh, live shows that. and everything. Um, but I got to interview Kirk um, just, I think, the next month. They did that Obey Your Master art show in L.A., where it was a bunch of people like Andy from Blackville Brides and some other like clown from Slipknot. All these guys had done like art inspired by Metallica songs. I remember this. And uh, no one knew that Metallica would actually be there. And all four dudes were there. Rick Rubin was there like in just a little tiny place. Shepard Fairey's DJing. Um, it was a really amazing event. But uh, but yeah, I got to I've interviewed Kirk a handful of times over the years. But I got to interview him at that. And uh, after the interview was over, I did the like off the record. Like, Let's talk about Mustaine for a minute. And uh, I'll tell you about that off the podcast. Nice. But um, <laughs> He, he had some funny comments, but let me ask you, uh, and I asked everybody this, what was your first introduction to Metallica specifically? Do you remember how they came into your life? Yeah, yes. And it wasn't, my cousin got me in the metal and I remember seeing the Metallica logo and I knew about the band, but I was into Motley Crue and Def Leppard and Skid Row and I didn't, I wasn't that heavy yet. And I was a little kid. I'm I'm 40, so uh, kindergarten is when I started with metal. I'll be I'll be 44 in a couple of weeks. So we're, okay, cool. We're close. So I remember seeing the one video when it when it came out on MTV when it premiered on MTV, yeah. and that was my first official looking at and hearing them and being completely blown away. I was like, this is Metallica. Oh my God. And I had my, I begged my parents because uh, we were in a tiny town on the border of Mexico. We had to drive an hour north to Cerro Vista, which is an army base in mm -hmm. Tucson, about an hour south of, sorry, Cerro Vista, an hour south of Tucson. And we had to go up there to a record store so that I can buy And Justice for All on tape. And then I came back and then, and that was it. And then I went backwards. And then right away I got master. And then I think I even, uh, the BMG Music Club thing. Yes. I think I, that's how I got Ride the Lightning and Kill 'Em All. Yeah. But uh, so I started an injustice. So I, I was I was a little late. I mean, not late. It was '88. Yeah, I it, was. I was. And I'm so just, I was 11. I, I was only a year ahead of you because I was. Um, the Garage Days EP was the current release when I discovered them, and I did the same thing. I went backwards, and then uh, it's funny. I actually on this podcast told the story of going to buy Injustice for All on Street Date, and my my oldest friend in the world. Um, texted me after that episode went up and he's like, dude, you said that you went with Dave Rogers to Karma Records in Greenwood to buy Unjustice for All. No, you went with me to that tape store in Beach Grove. And I'm like, oh, like, I love that I have a friend who is fact checking. That's so, so cool. Shout out, Matt Reese. You were, you were correct. But, I, and I that was that it. Break. I mean, uh, once and then I was I was just starting to play guitar at the time. I was I remember I was learning 18 in life. Uh, I was learning Youth Gone Wild. And then uh, Injustice for All came out and then it quickly went to one. And that was where I was like, oh, shit, this is this is heavy. I yeah. thought Youth Gone Wild was heavy, you know, yeah. on guitar. And then I started playing, you know, I was like, oh, my friend was playing guitar at the time, Andrew. And uh, and that was it. And then I wanted to become a guitar player. Uh, I wanted to be more metal because of that album. And, and then uh, a, a couple years later, Pantera came out. And then that was it for me. Yeah. Th those, I mean, those two bands made me really want to be a musician and um and and live a life of metal. I mean, Crew started it off for me, but Metallica really solidified it. And then years later, when Cowboys came out, that was it. I'll tell you uh, one of my favorite sayings I quote all the time: Dave Peters from Throwdown. Never trust anyone in the music business who didn't try to start a band first. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, I've, nice. With very, very few exceptions, I found that to be. It's very true. A yeah. I, I, yeah. I think I was, my first band was in fifth grade. <laughs> wow. With my friend Andrew Rivas. Yeah, dude. Uh, Joker's wow. Wild or Deuces Wild. Was it Deuces Wild or Joker's? Deuces Wild. Deuces Wild. Fifth grade, dude. Yep. That's rad. It's fucking cool, man. My, mine wasn't until ninth grade and it was called Outcast, which there's been a million bands with that name, I'm sure. But we did uh, Sanitarium. We did uh, either Creeping Death or For Whom the Bell Tolls. And, uh, and we did Death Angel uh, Ford. Nice. Yeah. Wow, that's a great all, song. Yeah. Dude, we used to do uh, Testament, The Ballad. We did Holy Wars, Megadeth. Wow. I don't think we that's did. That's brave. We <laughs> didn't do Metallica song for, for some reason. I don't know why. I, I, we didn't do it. And then we did um, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh, and then we did um, Fate's Warning, Point of View. Wow. And I was the bass player. That, that's your deep cut. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but if you remember that bass line in that song, it was a really cool, it was an off-timing song. And the bass and the drums, that was just so cool. But yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a good saying, Dave. I like that. Don't, <laughs> don't trust anybody that wasn't in a band in the industry. Don't trust anybody in the music business who didn't try to start a band first. There you go. I love that. Yeah. And it's I, like, I mean, I it, agree. Because you know, it's, it, yeah, it says so, it speaks to that passion about wanting to just wanting to be involved, to well, just participate. We're fans, you know? dude. I, ever since I was a, a, a kid, I was a messenger of metal. I was the dude who played metal for my friends. I would listen to watch Headbangers Ball, record the Headbangers Ball videos, and then go out and, and, and get those tapes and then play it for my friends and make mixtapes. And I was the DJ. I would, I, I would record Headbangers Ball and then I would fast forward to the, get to the thrash videos. Oh, the, thrash, be, the triple thrash threat. Yeah, exactly. There'd, yes. be, there'd be like, you know, three thrash videos yes. every hour. Yeah, Forbidden yeah. Death yeah. Angel and Megadeth or something yeah. cool like that. Yeah. Yes. All right, that's dude. Ricky Rackman. Uh, and even Adam Curry when he did it for years, yep. but Ricky and Adam, those dudes were and, and Kevin idols. Seal for a hot Kevin second. Seal did it yeah. in the very beginning. Well, Dee Snider started the first MTV metal show. Oh, was that? It was called Metal Shop. No, uh, uh, there was something before Headbangers Ball that yeah. was on in the afternoon. And it was it was Dee Snider was the first wow. dude that started it. I don't think I ever saw this. And then Kevin Curry, and then Adam. Uh, no, not Kevin. Kevin Seal. Kevin Seal, and then Adam, Adam Curry. Curry, and then yeah, and then he'd put on because Adam did the regular MTV stuff. And then he'd put on his leather tassel leather jacket. Yeah. jacket. Bon and then he, he, jacket. Yeah. he became the host of Headbangers Ball. I was like, fuck, that dude's yeah. awesome. I just watched a video where, because uh, I'm, I'm a huge uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's my favorite Oh my God, movie I love horror movies. That's that's all we do. I just watched uh, uh, this thing where uh, Freddy Krueger took over as a guest VJ in character. I was around the time Elm Street 4 was coming out on MTV. And it was, I remember and he, that. Yeah, he kills Kevin Seal. Yes, I remember. I totally remember that, dude. I loved it. I literally just watched that on YouTube. Well, how day. metal was Nightmare on Elm Street 3? Oh, dude. Uh, dude, there was two Dawkins songs. What was the first Dawkins song? What was the first song on Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3? Before Dream Warriors, you mean? No. The, uh, what, what metal song was featured in the movie itself? What was the first Dawkins song? I don't know. Because the me. last song... Is the obvious choice. Yeah. But people would say the first that would they would mix that. I use this as a trivia question for yeah, diehards. Yeah. First, uh, the answer is uh, Into the Fire, Dawkin. Wow. Starts off the opening credits of Nightmare on Elm Street Part wow. Three. That's a great trivia and, question. And then the that's end, right, right in my wheelhouse. And the end, it's Dream Warriors. I I had forgotten this until recently, but uh, I, I think it might be the Dream Master. It's, it's four or five. There's a Vinnie Vincent invasion. Yes. Yes. Elm Street song, and there's yes. a there's a video where Vinny's like wearing the yep. glove, and he like doesn't run up the I, neck. I totally remember that, of course. So all rad. these dumb little metal things in horror movies, I I know all yes. those pieces, oh, all dude. those moments. 
one of my favorite movies. I use those ever. questions that now I remember where I used them at Kirk Hammett's Fear Fest. I gave away <laughs> I gave I gave away a Jaeger tap machine at, at to some dude who got that question right. That's and I remember rad. Kirk gave me a bunch of other stuff. He gave me some of his pedals to give out, and I had some other cool prizes. But I did horror metal questions at Fear Fest. Evil. Amazing. Yep, dude. I got I got to spend an entire day with Robert Englund once on the. Uh, I did a set visit to Freddy versus Jason oh, for MTV, and it was like, so cool. Hung out with him in the makeup trailer and oh. just interviewed him all day. And uh, well, he's been to a few of the award shows. Yeah, and you know he lives he lives in Laguna Beach. Oh, really? Not far from here. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta yeah. have Mr. Englund come on the freaking show sometime, dude. You. You could totally get him in I, here. I've met him before, but I, I don't think he yeah. knows who I am. You know what's rad is his wife's name in real life is Nancy. No. <laughs> so I was thinking uh, about him. I was thinking about be like Nancy. Oh, dude, I met that chick. Uh, That's Heather Langenkamp. Yeah, I met her at Fear Fest Evil. That's and, and she awesome. autographed a, a, a picture, a Nightmare on Elm Street picture for my daughter Maya, That's and it's in a rad. frame above her uh, mirror. So in her room right now. Sweet dreams. Very cool. And it <laughs> all came dreams. because of Mr. Hammett and his cool festival that he started. I hope that comes back. Because yeah. I really love that he brought together the worlds of horror and metal. And, and he did it the only way, I mean the best way. And he did it in a pure way. He wasn't trying to you know, make money or do shit like that. He, yeah. he lost a lot of money. Of course. I mean, and they lost things. a lot of money doing Orion Fest. Yeah. And making that movie. <laughs> yes. Well, and, then, and, then, and then they just, and then they go do a summer of festivals in Europe and they're in the black yeah, again. Well, they, they, yeah. <laughs> a couple, they, they do a few shows and that's it. And then yeah. they're good. But well, that's a smart way, man. They're yeah. so, so good. I'll tell you a quick little funny story. Just, um, we're thinking about the latest Metallica album. Mm-hmm. When Hardwired that day, they surprised the world and they, they just released it. Um, you know, as a program director, we usually get this kind of stuff in advance, and so yeah. we, we program, program it, have it all ready, but it just, boom, it just came out, and I remember waiting, and I and I have my speakers set up here, and I put it on, I, I was by myself, and I just wanted it to be a, like a cool spiritual experience, so I, I stood in the middle right over there, Amazing. and I and I um, I hit play, and I stood right there, and I heard Hardwired for the first time, loud. The fucking subwoofers and everything. I was just sitting there. I was my arms were like this, and I, I, I again. I cried. I cried. I don't care if you think I'm a pussy. I cried right there, and I was just so happy that it was so heavy, and it was aggressive and fast. And because the first single for the last album, "The Day That Never Comes," was cool, really cool, but yeah. it wasn't a bruiser. It's a. I mean, it's a. It's, it's like a radio a, Metallica yeah. song, but hardwired. You know, with the fucks and all the shits and everything, I just, I was, this is so good for metal. Yeah. You know what's my, my favorite thing about that record is, is that, you know, obviously Death Magnetic had a lot of thrashy throwbacks and, you know, songs like All Nightmare Long. And But what I love about Hardwired is that it takes all the old school energy and everything that everybody wants and the heaviness, but it also incorporates some of those vocal harmonies from the Black Album and even the Load and Reload days. Yes, sir. But over that kind of thrash sound and uh, and that obviously production-wise, it just it sounds so good. And that's what I love about the record is it's like they're they're not, it's not just that they're embracing their past in order to move into the future, they're embracing all of their past. Because I'm a, I get into this argument all the time, um, you know, I'm a Load, Reload, Defender. Yeah, me too. Um, Why defend Metallica for anything? Yeah. I don't like when people say, oh, I'm just pre- Pre um, yeah. bl- uh, black album, I'm like really, really, 
the the biggest metal band in the world, and, and you're dissing yeah. them. Yeah, and, the, pe- and, and the biggest selling album of the SoundScan era since they invented so, SoundScan. So dumb. Uh, there's yeah. there's great songs on every single Metallica album. Even Saint Anger. Absolutely. It's got some amazing songs on there. I've got an acoustic version of All Within My Hands that they did at one of those Ooh. bridge school benefits. And that's where you're like, oh, oh the song comes alive. Hands. Yeah, I love yeah. that. So St. Anger just needed some editing. Well, I still <laughs> like it. I mean, Frantic, yeah. dude, that's hey, such a fucking Frantic's sick awesome. song. And I will St. say, Anger too. as a fan also, I'm very happy that that record exists yeah. because that record saved the band. Yes, you know exactly. And, uh, and I've said this on the podcast before, so I'll keep this short, but here's my thing on Lulu. I absolutely respect and appreciate that they made it. I just think that it's something that they should have done as a like an experiment. Cool, you know, oh, opportunity to make a record with Lou Reed, of course, do it. Have fun at Metallica HQ, put it in the vault, and then someday when the band's not able to release new music anymore or stop touring or, God forbid, a significant member's passed away, then it can become a curiosity that's like, hey, once upon a time we did this weird record with Lou Reed. Well, it's going to come out as part of our that's a good move. That's reissues a good move. and whatever. Because like, then I think it could have been appreciated even as like, Oh, this is this like strange, interesting thing. Whereas, kind of putting it out with this like full promo campaign and playing shows and doing press, and they had pictures of like Blue Reed and Metallica. Like, I think it was too much for people to. It was myself included. Like, me I've, too. Ne- I've never really given it a, a chance. You know, you know uh, I have to be honest. Yeah, me too, dude. I don't. I don't. We never played anything really from it. I mean, we we had to a little bit, but uh, we don't anymore. Yeah. You know, it didn't make a library rotation or nothing like that. So, yeah, that I mean, that's a different one. I guess I don't look at but that so much. But I don't think so of that as a Metallica Me either, yeah. yeah so. Just like I don't think of MD45 as a Megadeth album. There you go. You know, Dude, they, they did it with, uh, with Fear. With Leaving from yeah, Fear, right, yeah. Yeah. I always want, you know, I got to ask Mustaine, or, or if you end up talking to him before I do, you should ask him. Um, when they did those reissues in, like, 2005, they put out the MD45 record with Mustaine redoing all the vocals. And I'm always curious why, like if that was like a uh, I remember that publishing happening now. thing yeah. or what, or what that was, I mean, why that happened. I don't know. I don't, I have no, maybe it was a fallout. Yeah. It, I mean, leaving seems like a complicated character. Yeah, I'm I sure, so. want more money. I don't know. It's all, it gets, it gets weird. And I'm glad I'm not in that business. That part that, of it. No, yeah. I'm just a cheerleader for the music and I get to show my love and express it every day on and off the radio. It's it's very pure. I love that part of it. The business part, the money part. You know, I volunteer. I do shit for free all the time just because I want to be a part of it. You know, not because I'm like, oh, where's my paycheck? You know, I'm like, never. You know, it I goes host back to the- that original thing of, of learning to play guitar and whatever. Yeah. It's like you want to participate. How I, can I? This means so much to me. How can I be part of it? I just want to build this music up as much as I can. And Metallica is the biggest builder upper of our music in the history of our music. And so. Supporting them is so critical for all of us. Amen. And, to that. and um, Gojira, Lamb of God, Sepultura. Uh, I mean, just the list of bands that they've championed from day one yep. all the way through now. It's just on and on and on. Baroness. Uh, Volbeat, too. Volbeat. We were playing the Volbeat. Sword, uh, I, th- I bet you Metallica heard Volbeat here on our airwaves and then <laughs> took them out on the road like that. That's how, that's how it works yeah. uh, with all with all the bands that we're. R- Rob Caggiano liked producing the band so much he joined them. There you go. Yeah. Shout, I, mean, shout I love Volbeat. I love yeah. Volbeat, man. I love Metallica, too. Yeah. Um, well, well, let me ask you, as we got to wrap up here, um, favorite Metallica song? Ooh. And if you can't do one, you can do a few. No, um, I got it. I mean, my, my the first thing, that, I go back and forth, but I I, it, I think it's, I mean, it's got to be Master. I mean, I say Battery, too, 
because I love that so much. Blackened as well. Uh, but I, I mean, I think overall master is um it's like the definitive yeah if you were to explain to someone who has no con like an a aliens come to earth and they're like what is metallica that's the song you play. i might even play aliens one though mm. to suck them in a little bit you know because <laughs> i mean master puppets might be they might pull out their fucking alien weapons right away you know because it's just like what the fuck <laughs> they think they're under attack yeah lasers and fucking you know like, ah! fucking burning but um i would probably play aliens one but um but yeah, Master Puppets, uh, Battery Blackened. I mean, th those are those are Blacken, massive Blacken's songs. Blackened's got that new set riff. Yeah, yeah that's has, right. He has his couple little co-writes. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Sprinkled in the catalog. That's, 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 that's the... very true. And I love Jason. Uh, I love everybody. Man, oh, I was just jamming with Lloyd Grant. What? Ah! what? All right, I know we got to go, but real quick, we are having a party here. Metal Blade Records 35th anniversary party. Brian Slagle, a bunch of people were here. Armored Saint was performing. Uh -huh. uh, at one point, John they wanted Bush, John yeah. Bush to be the singer of Metallica. Yep, yep. So, but uh, Armored Saint was here, and I was doing a metal trivia before Armored Saint hit the stage for prizes. And one of the questions was, um, I, I think it was like, uh, I forgot to go name the only African American to ever uh, play with Metallica. And uh, DJ Will from KNAC, he was in the audience here, and he shouted out the answer. And I was like, oh, you got it, but Will knows everything. So, and then he was like, and he's here. <laughs> I said, shut up. Lloyd Grant's here. On stage, I had no idea. Everybody starts looking around. Lloyd was over here in the in, in the back, and he puts up his arm, and he walks over. He's like, oh, my God. I saw Lloyd at the 30th anniversary shows. That's the first time I actually like, saw him in person yeah. jamming with Metallica they, when they did Hit the Lights. Yeah. I think that was the last song that they played on night number four because everybody came out yeah. and did that song. And so Lloyd came over, and then I was Lloyd like, Lloyd Grant, what? Uh, Hugh Tanner, was that other yes. buddy? Yeah. And then so Lloyd comes on stage. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the first time I asked a trivia question, and the person was actually here. You're like, and, let me ask a question about Jessica Alba. Yes, yes, or J-Lo. I fucking love J-Lo. So, uh, so he comes up, and I everybody here is packed. Everybody starts clapping. Lloyd's here. He's so happy that you know we're giving him praise and yeah. attention. He, he probably hasn't gotten that much since that show. Yeah. And um, afterwards, we had our party. He stayed here till 3.30 in the morning. And we played Metallica songs. We played Black Sabbath songs. We played all sorts of metal jams. Uh, Eddie from King uh, mm -hmm. was playing with him. Uh, my friend Edwin was on drums. Dude, this other dude, Angel, was on drums. We were all freaking out because we were jamming after hours, privately, with Lloyd Grant. Amazing. It was, dude, there's some really cool Amazing. pictures. And I... And I just could not believe well, the, well, that that the, dude was here. This brings us full circle because we were talking about that, you know, the the characters that the super fans will recognize. I was watching Metallica when they did BlizzCon in Anaheim, the big game convention thing. Um, and yeah, standing right in front of me watching Metallica was Lloyd Grant. Nice. And I recognized him from the videos of those 30th anniversary shows. And yeah, it was one of those things where you know, no, one's, no one's bothering him. Nobody recognizes him, you know, and I didn't bother him either. But just seeing him and being like, yeah, fuck yeah. He's so Grant. cool, man. That's the, that's the Hit the Light solo right there. Yes, sir. Yeah. Very, very cool, man. So thank you, Lloyd, uh, for yeah. coming here and for being super cool and for jamming with us, man. He was yeah. so happy to jam. He seems like, a, and he looks cool. And he's yeah. He's kind of like shredded and like, Yeah, he's you know? fucking got some muscles and <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was a badass, man. Metallica awesome. are all badasses. And uh, Ryan, I appreciate you, dude, uh, having me on. I was... 
Very happy to see you do start this podcast about Metallica and having all these amazing guests on over the last uh, months that you've been doing it. Yeah, and, I, want, I wanted to start the podcast that I wanted to hear. Yeah. It's like every great band and every great, you know. So, so, so cool. I, I I love being a part of it as a massive champion of the band. Um, oh, everywhere I'm, I'm, I'm I go. Gonna, I'm going to have you on multiple times. Oh, at, dude, some, whatever, at some point, there's going to be repeat guests and you'll be. Not, dude, I, I have so many Metallica stories. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even get to, ha- to half of them. Yeah, dude. Well, awesome. Well, thanks so much, yeah, for uh, having me here to do this. No problem, man. Long live fucking Metallica. Yeah! Ooh, yeah! Ooh, yeah! He's the man, Jose Mangan. There he was, the satanic Hispanic himself, the ambassador of metal. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I've got to have that dude back on. If this is your first time checking out Speaking Destroy, please check out some of the prior episodes. Amazing in-depth conversations about Metallica and related subjects with people like M. Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold, Mark Morton of Lamb of God, Rob Flynn from Machine Head, Jamie Josta from Hatebreed, Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm. Please, if you like what is happening with this podcast the best thing you can do right now is go into itunes leave a five-star review and write something nice about the speaking destroy podcast the more reviews we get the higher the visibility the more people will discover this podcast and when we get to 100 reviews we're going to pick someone at random and send you the collector's edition box set of kill them all courtesy of our friends at warner music you can find Speaking Destroy on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. You can find me at Ryan Downey on Twitter, at SuperheroHQ on Instagram. Speaking Destroy is part of the Pop Curse Podcast Network. As always, you guys have been great, and I've been Ryan J. Downey.